Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. People ask me all the time about my favorite lawyer movies, and I often mention Anatomy of a Murder. Another good movie. I've always liked it. I admit there's portions that are a bit over the top. But True Believer from 1989 with James Woods and Robert Downey Jr. And I'll tell you why I just thought of that movie. It has to do with a story that several people sent me. Jerry and Jay both sent this. Thanks a lot. Uh, From the Associated Press, Detroit, the city of Detroit, will pay $7.5 million to a man who says police switched bullets to frame him for murder. And he spent a lot of time in prison as a result. So the city of Detroit agreed to pay $7.5 million to settle the lawsuit the man filed. And his allegation was that police switched bullets, switched bullets to pin a murder on him back in 1992. So I became a lawyer in 1991. Very next year, this man went to prison. He's been in prison ever since, pretty much up until recently. And the sad part is that, of course, the switching of the bullets, this is evidence we're talking about. And it turns out that the actual bullets didn't link him to the crime So the allegation is that they went and got bullets that would link him to the crime and just said, oh, these are the bullets we're talking about. So if you get to invent your own evidence, you can convict anybody you want, but that's not what courts are supposed to be doing. So the police shouldn't be doing that either. The man was released from prison in 2017 after 25 years, 25 years in prison. But he's been released thanks to gun experts, law students from the U of M, and his unwavering insistence that he was innocent. University of Michigan has got a um, law school, and they often are involved in cases like this. Uh, It's something that they have the students working on, uh, and it's very, very good stuff they often accomplish. The man said, I'm not greedy, I'm thankful. He's 56 years old. He spent 25 of those years in prison. Uh, He told that the Associated Press after the city council approved the settlement. So the city council for Detroit had to approve the settlement, and they did so. The man said, it's a blessing to be alive with my children and grandchildren. It was a blessing to not lose my life in there. He was convicted of fatally shooting a friend outside a restaurant back in 1992. Police seized a gun that belonged to his mother and said it was the murder weapon. So in 2016, the Innocence Clinic at the University of Michigan Law School asked a judge to reopen the case. Photos of bullets taken from the victim didn't resemble the bullets that were examined by a defense expert before the trial decades earlier. So there were photos of bullets that were involved in the incident, and and then they had bullets that were examined by the expert that weren't those bullets. Shouldn't the expert be looking at the bullets that actually came from the victim? The actual bullets were still in Detroit police storage. So at least they saved the evidence. Examinations show they did not match the 38 caliber identified as the weapon that was owned by his mother. Didn't match. So a judge granted the man a new trial. And the prosecutors, in response, dropped the charges. And so procedurally, just so you understand this, the innocence people, innocence clinic, found evidence that clearly showed there was misconduct at the first trial. They came forward with it, and nobody wanted to do anything. So the man brought a motion for a new trial. And 
after a judge saw the evidence, goes, of course you get a new trial. Granted a new trial. At that point, the prosecutor dropped the charges. Some people are wondering, and I'm going to tell you, the prosecutor could have brought a motion to simply have the man released and have the conviction reversed, and they could have done that without forcing him to go through the steps of filing the motion for a new trial. But for whatever reason, they made him jump through one last hoop. It was layer upon layer upon layer of police misconduct. It was a truly egregious case, said David Moran, director of the Innocence Clinic at the University of Michigan. Now, after he was exonerated, the man and his family filed the multi-million dollar lawsuit seeking both compensatory and punitive damages for the alleged violations of his constitutional rights that led to a wrongful conviction. The suit named the city of Detroit, as well as police officers, who, the man says, fabricated and withheld evidence during their investigation into Bennett's murder. And by the way, you understand that, right? They fabricated evidence by saying, well, let's use these bullets. And then they withheld evidence by saying, oh, and let's remove the actual bullets. During depositions in the lawsuit, even the city's expert acknowledged that the bullet analysis by the police lab decades ago was inaccurate. And this is the man speaking, quote, it's one of two things, a horrible mistake or it was deliberate. I don't know. And that's a man who worked for 32 years at the Georgia State Crime Laboratory, brought in as an expert, and says it was either a horrible mistake or it was deliberate. And when people make mistakes that go in their favor and against other people's favor, what are the odds? Separately, this man did receive more than a million dollars from the state in compensation for spending time in prison on a wrongful conviction. He was given $50,000 for each year in custody. He will probably have to pay that back, though, because if you recover money for a wrongful conviction, time spent in prison from two different sources, the stuff from the state might need to get paid back. That's just how the law is. Whether that's right or not, I don't know, but that's simply how the law is. There are some states where you get nothing. So at least we got that going for us. But this case reminds me of the movie True Believer. And I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you see it because I've always liked it. I think it's a decent movie. Uh, it's, it's an interesting angle on how far attorneys should go in believing what their clients tell them. Uh, but the interesting thing about that case in True Believer is that there's a similar situation. And the question is, if the police think this person did it, they're convinced of it, but they have no evidence. I think we've all heard of stories that happens. The police are convinced this person did it, but don't have any evidence. Or they don't have admissible evidence. Or they're going off a hunch. Going off a hunch. But we're convinced this guy did it. So how hard is it to fabricate the evidence we need to put this guy in prison? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And that's scary. And so, you know, we trust the law enforcement to do their jobs, but we don't expect them to go so far overboard that they actually go after people that they can't get the right way, but they get them some other way. And that's a problem. So it appears to be, in this case, they were convinced they had the right guy or they wanted to close the file. We don't know that actually, do we? It could just be that they thought, well, 
Uh, this guy's a likely suspect. I think he did it. Uh, bullets don't match, but quite frankly, yeah, you know, it might be the one from the mom. It might be another one. Maybe he tossed it down a sewer. Who knows? But let's just get this to match up so we can make this guy go away. And we've heard some other crazy stories like that. But this is one actually switching the bullets because the real bullets wouldn't have done it. And that's the interesting thing because the expert says, well, it could have been a horrible mistake or it was deliberate. Well, how do you make this horrible mistake where you get the bullets from the victim and the bullets from the suspect and they don't match, but, oh, let's just take these and put these over here and these will disappear. <laughs> or at least they won't make it into court. You know, and so that's a real problem. So the man got seven and a half million dollars in a settlement. The lawsuit was asking for a lot more money than that, but I mentioned before that you often just plead a number to get you into a certain court. But these guys actually did file a lawsuit asking for $125 million. And, you know, I've talked about this before also. And and I've mentioned before that, you know, other situations where people spent decades in prison for stuff they didn't do, and they hear you, well, I got this money when I got out, you know. Um, most people would not make that exchange willingly, especially if they didn't know they're going to get out. Because most people go, well, hey, I mentioned Timothy Masters before. I wrote a book about him. He spent 10 years in prison. When he got out, he got $10 million. And I know people say, Steve, you know, I'd do that. I think I'd go to prison for 10 years for $10 million. He didn't know he was getting out until about nine and a half years in. The question is, would you go to prison and spend 10 years there and for nine and a half years think you're there for the rest of your life and then get out and be paid $10 million in compensation? And I think the idea about being locked up in a prison with no hope, no hope of getting out for the most part, and then 10 years later getting out and getting $10 million dollars, or 25 years later and getting $7.5 million. I, I, but then again, there's some things you can't put a dollar value on. There's no way to calculate fair compensation for that. So uh, this is a crazy story, though, because it looks like it was an intentional thing. I don't think it was an accident. And the Detroit man will receive $7.5 million because he says the police switched bullets to frame him for a murder he did not commit. From the Associated Press... Jerry and Jason, thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. There are no rewards and punishments in life, only consequences.